Welcome to Insight for Living, featuring another message in Chuck Swindoll's series called Hope Again. We're picking up the study in a familiar passage written to husbands and wives in 1 Peter chapter 3. Last time, we addressed Peter's admonition to wives. During the next half hour, our attention turns to husbands. And before our time is finished today, you'll hear a riveting real-life story of God's grace in a marriage that appeared over. If you've lost hope in your marriage, this story provides a profound reminder that God is never finished. Chuck Swindoll has titled today's talk, Hope Beyond I Do. Now it's your turn, men. And even though you get one verse, there are three powerful commands to the husband in this seventh verse. You husbands, the first command, live with your wife. This word translated live means to dwell together, to be at home with. It conveys a close togetherness for which you, husbands, and I are responsible. It isn't the wife's task to develop the togetherness of the home. It is the husband's job. And right away I move to the second command, know your wife. See verse 7, husbands likewise, be at home with your wives in an understanding way as with a weaker vessel. Remember the word in verse 7? Likewise. Submitting to the Lord Jesus Christ, husbands. Submitting your will to him. Giving him your selfishness. Not demanding of your wife more than his, than his fair play. I married a couple a number of years ago and I knew they were headed for trouble. I, I tried my best to put it off, but they wouldn't, they wouldn't delay it. They had to get married and I told her I thought he was a little weird, and and uh, she said, "Well, I I know, but I, I think we can work it out." And and I remember several months after they married, she came back to me, and he was there, kind of sheepishly walked in. I could tell she kind of had him by the ear as they walked in the door and they sat down. And she said, "I'd just like to ask you, is it common for a a husband to take all the doors off of the ho- uh, in the house after you marry?" Well, I said. Well, I've never thought about that before. I, that's, a, that's a new piece of information. She says, uh, several days after we got home from our honeymoon, he took every door off, took all the hinges off, and uh, got rid of them so there wouldn't be, quote, any secrets. <laughs> the guy's sick. It is really a weird, weird way to prove that he wants to know all about his wife and wants there to be no secrets. Men do the weirdest things To prove something in the marriage. Give them a break, guys. What's wrong with just loving them? Just listening to them. Adapting to what they need. Saying no to more and more in your work. So you can say yes to more and more in the home. So you can say yes to the helping with the children. And the tasks and needs of home. It's an extremely masculine thing to do. How else will your children learn the role of a dad and of a husband? Not smothering. Not smothering. The great smother-up is the husband who is so insecure 
He cannot let his wife out of his sight. And that's another series of stories I could keep you busy with for for hours. Um, Let her be. Let her free. The kind of love we're talking about in this passage means she can't come back fast enough to your arms. You're one of the few men, if the only man on earth, that's going to let her free. Know your wife. And third, look at the command, verse 7. Grant her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life. Honor your wife. Live with your wife. Know your wife. Honor your wife. See the word grant, grant her honor. It means to make an assignment. It's a rare original word. And it has in mind assigning someone something. And Peter says, assign your wife a place of honor. Wonderful counsel. How do you treat your wife on, the, on an average day? I don't mean after a message like this. I mean, after a message like this, it is going to be wonderful. Let me help you with the door. (laughs) Oh, let me get the key. I'll open the door. Oh, let me carry you over the threshold. (laughs) Not Not after this talk, okay? Two months later, honor the wife. Honor her. A place of significance and tell her that. Don't just act it out. Tell her. Write it out. Leave her notes. Add that to your week. Send her a letter. You know, a letter you address to home and stamp it will actually come to your home. (laughs) And she will actually read it. You might include a little glycerin tablet she can place under her tongue so that... If it's that kind of surprise. There are neurotic husbands as well as neurotic wives. I promised you the list from Osborne's book. The explosive, argumentative, domineering husband. That's one neurotic kind of husband. The compulsive husband. The uncommunicative husband. The child husband. The hypochondriac husband. The passive, silent, retreating husband. The playboy husband. And last but not least, the neurotic tightwad husband. (laughs) Isn't Peter on target? Isn't this a magnificent section of truth? And you will never read stuff like this in the Times or in Newsweek or in any periodical you'll ever receive in this generation. You'll only get it from the scriptures. And this works. Not some stupid extreme uh, interpretation of it. The truth of it works. It works, men and women. It revolutionized my home. That's why I know it works. I didn't come from a great home, and my wife didn't come from a great home, And we were determined if we were going to make it, we had to go God's way. And we had to equally be willing to change. And I'll tell you of the two, I have had to change the more. About the time I think I got it whipped into shape, another area emerges. And I have to deal with that. About the time I get kids taken care of and they're gone, then grandkids invade. (laughs) And they're back. 
Ladies, your actions, your adornment, your attitudes, your attention couldn't be any more important than in the home. Husbands, living with your wife, getting to know your wife, honoring the woman God gave, couldn't be more important. Couldn't be more important. You know the promise that you can gather from this last part of the seventh verse? Your prayers will not be hindered if you cultivate this kind of a relationship. Maybe that explains why your prayers aren't being answered. So that your prayers may not be hindered. It's an old sports term for cutting in on the stride of a runner who has the inside track. Your prayers won't be cut in on, is the word used by Peter. Let me give you a couple of projects. Number one, let me suggest in the next week that you spend some time together and write down four qualities you appreciate most about your mate and tell them. Write down four qualities you appreciate most about your mate and tell them. Tell them why. Discuss each one of them. Second, using 1 Peter 3, 1 to 7 as your guide, admit the one thing you would most like to change about yourself. Admit the one thing you would most like to change about yourself. Now, don't get those two backwards. (laughs) Don't mention four things you want her to change in and... The one thing you like most about yourself. That's not the project. Get the thing straight. Don't skate. Talk truth. Refuse to blame. Don't turn it into an evening of confrontation. Make it an evening of getting back together. Risk being transparent. I promised you an interesting conclusion on this talk, and now I can hardly wait for it. I want to introduce to you a man I did not know until this evening, but Bob Craning, our pastor of of, uh, adult ministries here at the church, heard last Thursday evening in Escondido. This man's name is Chuck Tyrell, and having met him and having heard Bob tell his story, I felt like it was worth being repeated. Chuck, would you come join me up here and let's spend a few minutes hearing your story because it illustrates so beautifully so beautifully what I've been talking about. It seemed worth risking, huh? (laughs) To have Chuck come stand in front of people he's never stood before and to have you hear from a man that that you've never met before. Chuck, I wonder if you'd unsnap that mic right over there that's got the yellow band around it. It'll pull right off. There you go. Walk on over here, will you? Welcome. Up nice and close. (laughs) Thank you. you. Chuck, tell us a little bit about your past. Will you do that? Um, I'm not used to this, so please bear with me. The Lord uh, gave me one thing back, and that was my emotions. And uh, I'll try to do the best I can. I grew up in a little town in Minnesota, um, kind of a backwards little community. Um, <laughs> it was uh, yeah, good high school. We at 13 and 14, I started into into drugs and alcohol. Um, I uh, started smoking pot, not any real great stuff, because back in Minnesota you don't get real good stuff. Um, but uh, I went through that, and I liked motorcycles, and, and went through a lot, of, a lot of things in high school. Um, didn't like the cold, so I decided to move out to California. Um, came out to California and got in with a crowd that was doing acid, doing a lot more drugs, and uh, drinking a lot. And uh, 
was working at a, a little factory, and I saw this little blonde, uh, who's still with me today, uh, working on a punch press across the way. And, and I said, I like her. I'd like to go out with her. Uh, the first night we went out, we took acid. They, uh, and since from that time on, we lived together. Um, we lived together for four years before we got married. We had our, our oldest daughter named Tamara uh, two years after we were together um, and went through um, the process of finding out what you have to do when you have a kid out of wedlock and, and going through all that. Um, at the time we decided to get married, we said it would be a good tax break, be good for insurance. It was okay to do. Um, we were still very heavy into the drugs. Um, my wife and I had saved up, and I bought my first Harley, and I also gained an attitude. That attitude was a, a not-caring attitude. Uh, still going out trying to be the macho biker, um, going through a bunch of... Uh, different people, different ways of doing things. Uh, my wife and I arguing, fighting whenever I came home drunk, because if I can go back a little bit, my wife has a, uh, had a mother that was a social alcoholic, and she has a brother who is still an alcoholic, and we pray for him. Um, but we went through a lot of garbage, and we had our second child, Miranda. And uh, finally, we... Uh, uh, we had a business of our own. I moved from the one company. We had a business of our own for four years. We went through a uh, bankruptcy. Uh, I found out my wife had uh, had an affair for 18 months. Um, at this time, I was also into the pornographic scene, watching movies, going through a lot of um, garbage, trying to tell my wife you know, what we should be doing and, and things like that. Uh, we... Uh, came out of all that and moved into a little house. And my wife, actually my, my youngest daughter, uh, Miranda, who is with us, with us tonight, um, met a friend at, at school. And uh, her little friend said, would you like to come to Sunday school? And my little daughter said, yeah, I think that would be fun. Can we come? Can I go with you? And she said, yeah. Well, my daughter started a chain reaction. My oldest daughter started to go to church. It's to Sunday school with another friend. From that point, um, as women do, and you ladies are very good at it, you talk to each other very good, whereas men don't do that a whole lot. We talk about a lot of garbage, but we don't really talk about things that are important. Mm. My wife... Uh, met Debbie Reynolds, not the actress Debbie Reynolds, but a, a friend of ours. Um, she went through, and she told my wife, because my wife liked to look slim and trim, uh, she said there was an exercise class at church. Would you like to come? Uh, this was a, a class called Slimmer Size, and they teach uh, low-impact aerobics with Christian music. My wife started to hear the Christian music. She started to listen to Debbie. She started to understand, wait a minute, there's something here. There's something that, that I can't place. She started to go to the church uh, on Sundays. I still stayed at home, and I thought it was a bunch of bunk. Um, thought there was no way. I believed, uh, if I can go back again, I had a large argument with my, uh, 
one of my aunts at a, at a family gathering that we had. I believed in flying saucers and uh, chariots of the gods, if any of you have ever seen all that stuff. And um, I had no, no belief in God that he was real. Uh, I said, I don't, I don't think there's anything to that. At this point, my, my wife, going to church, was asked to go on a, on a ladies' retreat. Um, my wife went on the retreat. Uh, Pastor Strauss, our pastor's wife, speak, spoke at that retreat. My wife came back. I was still getting drunk, still getting stoned and, and doing whatever. I came back, and, and my wife started to change. My wife started to, started to look at me and say, you're okay. My wife came to know the Lord a couple weeks later at our church. I come home drunk. I come home wasted away. My wife started to hug me. She started to actually come up and not acting, not doing anything else, but she started to hug me for real and tell me I was okay. Tell me that she loved me. At that point in time, I went, wait a minute, this is crazy. My wife, I worked with my wife for a long time, and excuse me for uh, the tears. I worked with my wife for a long time, and you didn't talk with my wife before 10 o'clock in the morning. My wife rolled over, looked at you, did not smile, kind of grunted, got up, did whatever she had to do, and we went to work. Her boss didn't even talk with her before 10 o'clock in the morning. She actually rolled over in the morning and smiled at me and said, I love you. To have this woman do that in my bed, I couldn't understand it. I couldn't believe it. Uh, Debbie's husband, Greg Reynolds, had been talking with me a few times, and he said, there's a men's retreat coming up. Would you like to go? I said, no, I don't think so. I, I still think this is a bunch of bunk, and I, I'm not buying it. I went. <laughs> I don't understand why, but I went. And I saw a bunch of guys. I've still got my Harley parked in the garage, and I said, these guys are riding bicycles. There's a bunch of yo-yos. This is stupid. Why am I here? Uh, Dr. Mitchell from, I think it's Biola, Curtis Curtis Mitchell from Biola was there. And as he was speaking, I said, wait a minute, somebody told him I was here. (laughs) Somebody told him that I didn't know the Lord because everything he said seemed to beat me severely about the head and shoulders, telling me that I needed something and I, I needed to do something to make my life whole. After seeing what happened to my wife, I I was getting a little worried uh, that something may change, and yet I saw these guys, and I went, no, this confirms that they're they're way out of whack, and I don't want to do that. Uh, Yet Dr. Mitchell kept preaching. Finally, I started reading a little bit in the Bible that was there. And in the morning, one morning right before we left, it was a Sunday morning, I went to a little arena, that was there. And I asked the Lord into my life. I asked him to take the loneliness 
and the hurt and the pain out of my life and give me my wife and my kids. And he did. I have a wife that we still have our problems. We still go through trials and and everything. But she loves me. And I know that. And my kids even like me. (laughs) Which to me is surprising because of all the stuff that we went through. I can get on my knees in the morning and again my wife said something to me and I don't know where she gets it but she said can we get on our knees and pray in the mornings. This has only been for about two or three months. We started to pray in the morning and when I go to work I feel like a superman. I feel like the Lord is there at all times. But you wives, do it with love because we can see through the garbage. We can see if it's an act. But if it's love, please use it. Because we're a bunch of yo-yos. We don't know a whole lot at times. And I'm sorry, guys, if I'm copping out here, but um, it's true. It will happen, and it can happen. And that's what happened in my life. Praise God. You're listening to Insight for Living. And the conclusion to Chuck Swindoll's helpful message on marriage called Hope Beyond I Do. Today's study, Hope Beyond I Do, is just a part of a larger 17-part study through the book of 1 Peter. It's called Hope Again, When Life Hurts and Dreams Fade. And there's also a workbook that coincides and even a hardcover commentary through the book of 1 Peter. You can make your purchase on any of these helpful resources by going online to insight.org or call 1-800-772-8888. As you dig deeper into this topic on your own, remember that Insight for Living has a wide variety of other resources available to you online. We invite you to spend some time browsing through our website to see the articles, messages, books, and other related materials at your disposal. You'll find these resources and more at insight.org slash marriage. And you can download the convenient mobile app online in order to hear Chuck's teaching on your own schedule and wherever you go. You'll find a link for downloading the mobile app on our website at insight.org slash app. Finally, we'd invite you to follow Chuck Swindoll on Twitter and join the conversation about today's topic and more by liking our page on Facebook. And you'll find the links for both Facebook and Twitter online at insight.org. Be listening next time for more practical Bible teaching from Chuck Swindoll on Insight for Living.